the last couple of weeks, we've heard sermons about Jesus' death and resurrection, which is the power by which this restoration happens. And we're talking about restoration in terms of how the Lord restores us and does his work of restoring the world through it. So from the beginning of time, God chooses a people to set apart, to restore, to build up, to equip and empower. And through that people, the world experiences the goodness of God. This is restoration through Jesus. And that's what we're looking at. Um, and to do that, we're going to start chewing our way through the Gospel of Matthew. And so I want you to turn to Matthew 1, and I'm going to read verses 1 to 17. And before I start, um, if you're looking for a baby name or a pet name, here's your list. And as a caveat, I'm going to read these names like I know them, but I don't. Um, so here, here we go. So this is the genealogy of Jesus, the Messiah, the son of David, the son of Abraham. Abraham was the father of Isaac, Isaac the father of Jacob, Jacob the father of Judah and his brothers, Judah the father of Perez and Zerah, whose mother was Tamar, Perez the father of Hezron, Hezron the father of Ram, Ram the father of Amminadab, Amminadab, the father of Nation, Nation, the father of Salmon, Salmon, the father of Boaz, whose mother was Rahab, Boaz, the mother of Obed, whose mother was Ruth, Obed, the father of Jesse, and Jesse, the father of King David. David was the father of Solomon, whose mother had been Uriah's wife. Solomon, the father of Rehoboam, Rehoboam, the father of Abijah, Abijah, the father of Asa, Asa, the father of Jehoshaphat, Jehoshaphat, the father of Jehoram, Jehoram, the father of Uzziah, Uzziah, the father of Jotham, Jotham, the father of Ahaz, Ahaz, the father of Hezekiah, Hezekiah, the father of Manasseh, Manasseh, the father of Amon, Amon, the father of Josiah, and Josiah, the father of Jeconiah and his brothers at the time of the exile to Babylon. After the exile to Babylon, Jeconiah was the father of Shealtiel, Shealtiel the father of Zerubbabel, Zerubbabel the father of Abiud, Abiud the father of Eliakim, Eliakim the father of Azer, Azer the father of Akim, Akim the father of Elihud, Elihud the father of Eliezer, Eliezer the father of Mathan, Mathan, the father of Jacob, and Jacob, the father of Joseph, the husband of Mary, and Mary was the mother of Jesus, who is called the Messiah. Thus there were 14 generations in all from Abraham to David, 14 from David to the exile to Babylon, and 14 from the exile to the Messiah. This is the word of the Lord. Did you pick your name? All right. Does anybody remember this book? Yeah. What was it? 2019 or 2020, we as a church picked up this book and we read through it. We committed to reading through it together and doing the work that it asks. This book requires a lot of work. Um, The author of this book encourages us to dream God-sized dreams to write them down, and to keep circling them 
in prayer and in activity until they come to pass. And it's full of all these incredible testimonies that give practical applications. And I'm going to start with a confession. When I read this book, the Lord gave me really good things, like things that blew my whole mind. Has the Lord ever told you something that just like, how on earth (laughs) is that true for me? And I wrote those things down and I circled them in prayer and I oriented myself toward them. And I don't know when I stopped. I don't know the day that I stopped looking at the journal, you know, and, and focusing on it and praying it in and thinking about it and dwelling on it and giving it to the Lord. Have you ever done that? It's like you you get going on something that the Lord has given and you just kind of lose steam. Like time passes. You start to think about it and it's like, man, that feels kind of impossible. Like I don't really see any momentum happening towards it. And it just, I don't know, the word is fizzles, right? You just let it go. Put it in a shelf Stick it in the post-it in your Bible. I know we all have them. It had only been a handful of years. It's only been a handful of years since I let those promises lay dormant. And I can only imagine how Matthew's audience is feeling. So why are we reading a genealogy here, right? So Matthew is speaking to what we think is probably primarily a Jewish audience. So you've got the Israelites, the people of God, from Abraham to Moses and all the way through. And we don't know for sure, but scholars estimate that you've got about 2,000 years that have transpired from Abraham. When God looked at Abraham and said, I'm going to make you a nation that is as numerous as the stars in the sky, and you're going to be blessing to the earth, and I'm going to make you a great and mighty nation. It's been 2,000 years. It's probably been several hundred years since the prophet has spoken in affirmation of those words publicly, and it's been established among the people. Um, The Israelites have been taken over by nation after nation after nation. They're not in their promised land. It would easily be felt at that point that nothing that God had said was true or relevant anymore. And so Matthew opens his book with the whole story. He says, listen, Jesus is here, and we can trace him all the way back those 2,000 years to our father Abraham, to Isaac, to Jacob, to David, all the way through. Listen up, friends, says Matthew. This is it. All those words that you thought were dormant, that God wasn't going to answer, are answered in Jesus. Now, it's easy to be hard on the Israelites, right? Like, how did you not know that Jesus was the Messiah? Like, this guy came and did miracles. He said the things. He did the stuff. Like, all the things are true. And yet I lost steam on a couple words after two years. 2,000 years of waiting. It's really hard as a human to hold on to the truth in a world that's hard. How many of us have struggled to believe that God is good to us when things get really hard? You don't have to raise your hand. I meet, I meet with many of you I know. These are the moments, right? I mean, if you want to raise your hand, you can. That's fine, too. How many of us have had moments where temptations are so strong that even though we know the Word of God says that no temptation will overtake us, God doesn't give us anything we can't bear, 
in terms of temptation, and yet we feel so stuck, like that can't be true. How many of us have felt like such deep, like a sense of insecurity or inadequacy, and it's hard to believe that God would love us, that he would choose us, that he would do good things for us and through us? So we're talking about the, the word of God that exists, that's written, our Bibles. There are so many words in here that we believe in our heads that are really hard to believe in our hearts sometimes as time goes by and as life goes by. We're also talking about prophetic words, words that are given and that are discerned according to the word of God and people in line with the spirit of God. Have you ever received a prophetic word that felt so impossible that you just kind of let it go? Like, I don't don't know what to do with this. Maybe you, like me, circled it for a while and it took too long. And doubt started to kick in and, and time just went on. And circumstances led you to believe that there's just no way. There's no way that God's going to give you that or make you this or send you here. And we start to think that's just not true. Not for me. Not right now. God's not good to me right now. This is too impossible. Maybe I didn't discern that right, or maybe I applied this word wrong. These feelings are why Matthew opens the way that he opens. Behind this list, so all the names listed are stories, right? Each person represents a story. You've got stories of murder, Stories of rape, stories of prostitution, slavery, deep grief, death, infertility, impossibilities, deceit, and idolatry. This is a line of great depravity that God has promised such good things over. And behind this list, by God's grace, are also stories of great victory. We sang it this morning, seas that are split into two. A faith that levels a Goliath. Great armies leveled, women honored and raised up and named in places that they're never named. Geriatric pregnancies, overthrown monarchies, nations rebuilt and rebuilt again. Despite human forgetfulness, despite human sinfulness and flaw, despite great sin and brokenness on this earth, the words of God triumph. The promises of God come to pass as people walk in his words and stand on his truth for them. Listen, Matthew says, this timing is perfect. Nothing is a mistake. You've got 14 and 14 and 14. God's been paying attention. He knows what he's doing. And he meant what he said. And it happened as he said. Just as God gave Abraham and Sarah a baby long after it made sense. Just as God put David on the throne literally decades after he told him it was his, God kept his word, even though it took so long and the road was so hard. It's all true. God means what he says. He promised a Messiah, and Jesus was born. Matthew is breathing hope into dry bones. 
He's bringing confidence back to the prophetic promises that had given, been given to God's people so long ago. And really, as Pastor Dave said, faith in God's word is faith in his character. Like present in his words are the character of God. So if we don't believe in what he says, that means we don't believe his character to be good and true. We're calling God a liar when we don't believe what he says. Now, just as Israel's stories is riddled with things that you go like, why didn't God just abandon these people? Why didn't he make a new plan? Our stories are riddled with our own ups and downs. We've all got a million reasons to say, man, God wouldn't do that in my life. He wouldn't do that for me. And yet, he does. God fulfilled and is fulfilling his words to his people. And this morning, I just feel like it's God's heart to remind us. Are there words in here that are hard for us right now? Are there words that God has given specifically about us and who we are that he wants to breathe new life in this morning? It's a real simple message, and like I said, I, I feel like he's been doing it this whole morning. I'm the God of impossible. He set Scott free. After how many years of waiting and asking, and he set Scott free to live in the fullness that he has for him. Amen, right? Yeah, so good. He does it again. And so I, I just want to say a little bit about what it means to stand on the word of God And then I'm going to make some space for him to remind us. Does that sound good? Okay. So the book of Revelation, stay with me here, it connects, I promise. Um, The book of Revelation is a vision. God gave a vision to John, and at the beginning of the book, John says, blessed are those who keep this vision, like keeping it. So God gives a word and a vision, and he wants people to keep it. They're blessed if they keep it. And that word for keep is tereo. Can you say tereo? Tereo. It means to watch over something so it won't be lost or stolen. So that means we are to tereo, watch over the word of God and the words given to us so that they won't be stolen. Now, who steals the words from us? The enemy. What? The seed snatcher, who is the enemy. Amen and amen. So this is that renewing of the mind work that we were talking about earlier. If your thoughts are not congruent with his, the seed gets stolen. It's just that simple. It's why scripture says, take every thought captive to the word of God. Do not let the words of your life Be stolen. Hover over them. Write them down and find the verse if you have to. Have you ever been there? Like, write it down. That's not true. This is true. Guard those words because you're guarding your life. In the parable of the sower, Jesus uses the word sunamai. Can you say sunamai? All right. So sunamai is the word that he uses to describe what happens when the seed like settles in the earth and takes root and grows. And it's this like convergence. Um, 
like a coming upon, coming together. Are you getting the image here? So the idea is the word of God shouldn't just be in here. It has to find resonance in our hearts. And that parable says that if it, if it finds resonance in the soil of our hearts, then that seed snatcher can't come and pull it. Okay, so this is why we read and speak the word of God when it doesn't feel true up here. This is why we orient our lives, our choices, our vision, everything towards what God says is true, even if it doesn't feel true, because we're trying to find resonance in our spirits, this convergence, that tsunami. We have to come into agreement with God says, and then the enemy can't take it. Now, this isn't like... Um, name it, claim it, willpower stuff. I'm talking about the power of faith. When we choose to believe that God is right, no matter how we think or feel, there's power in it. You speak it, you live it, you walk towards it, and it comes to pass. In 1 Timothy 1, Paul writes to the young church leader, we talked about Timothy last week. This is fascinating. He says, Timothy, my son, I'm giving you this command in keeping with the prophecies once made about you, so that by recalling them you may fight the battle well, holding on to faith and a good conscience, which some have rejected and so have suffered shipwreck with regard to faith. Holding on to the words of God is a strategy. It is a battle strategy for victory, to live into what God has for us. How is Timothy going to win the battle of the mass chaos that is large church leadership (laughs) as a young human? He's going to remind himself of the words that God said about him. He's going to ruminate them on them until they take up residence in his heart. He's going to have faith that when God gives a word, he gives everything that's needed for it to pass. And he's going to make sure that everything in his brain is in agreement with what God says. Renewing of his mind. And somehow, by walking this road by faith, he's going to emerge victorious. He will be renewed and restored. He will live into the fullness that God made him for. And through him, all these churches are going to be built up. Because this is the other thing, friends. The things that God gives you are for you, but really they're for his glory and his body too. And so if we aren't stewarding and living into what God has for us, The whole church misses out. The body is missing out. If we, like, picture the body. If we are not, like, if our minds aren't set on truth, it's like a a dislocated bone in the body. And we can't function right. So that's why Paul puts on there, in good conscience, like, Timothy, you dwell on the prophecies in good conscience. Conscience means a divided mind. So he's saying, keep your mind in line with the truth. Make sure all those bones are lined up straight and the body marches forward. Now, I want to be clear that this isn't about, like, stuffing the hard things that cause doubt. It's not about pretending that things aren't hard or that this is impossible. It means holding all of those hard things and looking at them through the lens of what God says. You take them to him and you say, God, this doesn't feel like it matches up with that, and I need you to tell me what to do about this or what to think about this or how to view this. God is good. He is faithful. 
He parts seas. He raises the dead. He moves mountains. And he holds us until he does those things. As we allow God's words to grow up in us, to shape and form our very identities and the ways that we live our lives, the world is impacted. This morning we were asking God to help us to keep asking his kingdom to come. And that's, that's what this is, friends. As we let God's kingdom come in us, his words come alive in us, his kingdom comes around us. And I believe that he has that for each one of us. And so practically speaking, this means, like we said, write those words down. There's a specific passage that the Lord wants you to work on and chew on for a while. Write it down. Ruminate on it. Pray on it. This means speaking words out loud. Share them with a trusted friend if it seems appropriate. Speak them over yourself. Sometimes I just got to walk around my house. Jesus is Lord. <laughs> Jesus is Lord. You know, like speak, speak those words out. Apply faith to them. Um, sometimes you just got to say, I got faith that you're going to do this, Lord. I have it. Even when it's hard, even when it seems impossible. One of the um, articles that I looked at in preparing for this message, the man talked about living in a season of inquiry with these things. To steward a word from the Lord means to be asking God about it. Lord, you gave me this word or this promise. What does that mean for me today? How do you want me to respond to this today? What does this look like in this season? It's, it's an ongoing conversation with the Lord about what he's up to, because he is always at work even when we can't see it. Is this resonating, friends? Do you believe it? God has words for you. He has things he, want to do, he wants to do, and so... Um, as we come to a close, I'm, I'm going to pray, and I'm going to ask the Lord to bubble up what he has. Um, if a prophetic word bubbles up in you, like a new one, I want you to feel comfortable to come on up and share it with Pastor Dave or I or Pastor Gina, and we'll help you with that discernment work, because that's really important, too, to stay in line.